Hello, this is Catherine, so I know I need to stop talking. Hello, lovelies, how are we doing? I'm fucking drenched. I have just come back from like the world's most ill-timed walk. So we'd had a busy Saturday. Isn't it such a novelty to, to be back in a place where you can say we've had busy Saturdays? But we've had a busy Saturday and I found myself with a brief gap this afternoon. and It, it had been pouring down where we are, absolutely pouring down. But I do love a walk and I thought, well, it's just stopped raining. That's what I told myself. And so as the last bits of the rain were falling I said to Mr I know I need to stop talking I'm just gonna like pop out for a quick walk no problem he said now I don't tend to walk dressed for the weather at any time of year really which which by which I mean I actually paused on the threshold to go is it a flip-flop day listeners it was not a flip-flop day by any fucking stretch of the imagination so I walk out the house and I may have mentioned before I'm very stubborn so when I looked up in the sky to see an ominous grey cloud looming and, and kind of the dawning realisation that maybe the little droplets of rain that I thought were the end of the rainstorm might be the start of a new rainstorm, I was like, I'm out. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to follow through with this. I've committed to this walk. I am off on the walk. And I was probably no more than about two minutes away from home when it started to really rain. But I kept, I kept with true optimism. I kept telling myself, it's just a shower. It's just a shower. I've got home. Looks like I've been in the fucking shower. I am, you know that scene at the end of, of Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is fucking, fucking ridiculous, right? I'm sure you all know the scene. It's Hugh Grant, it's Andy McDowell. They're on the doorsteps. It's fucking pissing it down. And they're like, oh my God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she says to him, is it raining? I hadn't noticed. How the fuck can you not notice? You look like you're underwater. Literally, you look as though you're going to need some kind of scuba breathing apparatus. Is it raining? I hadn't noticed. Fucking bullshit. Um, I never did like Andy McDowell in that film. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a very lovely person, but that was a very, very irritating line of dialogue. Although, let's blame Richard Curtis for that and not you. But that is pretty much what I looked like when I arrived home on the doorstep. And to be fair to Mr. I know I need to stop talking, he had the good grace not to openly laugh at me as I said I think I might go and and dry out so I've just used a hairdryer to attempt to to dry out my hair and my clothes and I'm still soaked through to my bra so yeah and and of course fucking sod's law Laura I'm looking out the window now it's a beautiful fucking day the sun's out the, the the sky is blue there's not a drop of rain to be seen of course not because it's all drenched into me so yeah that was a slightly slightly ill-advised ill-advised walk the good news though was that the rain at least did hold off for Beth's football match this morning and bless her she took a proper proper bashing today I mean I don't actually it wasn't the other player's fault I think she may Beth managed to run into another player and then fall backwards onto onto her lower back and very unusually for her was in floods of tears and had to come off the pitch so we knew that it probably wasn't just a um insert premiership footballer's name of your choice dive it was a it was a genuine bump so she she came off but she came back on her team were amazing she came back on she managed to score and then she did a she did a stint in goal their normal goalkeeper was unavailable so beth and her teammates they're all they're such brilliant girls they all take it in turns when the goalkeeper's not there to, to all do a little stint in in goal so beth did the last 15 minutes and and mr i know i need to stop talking and i looked vaguely horrified and the other parents were like oh isn't it great bet's in goal and i said you're only saying that because you didn't live through the when she when she was much younger and bless her she was playing for the boys team they didn't have their goalie nobody wanted to go in goal and beth god love her said i'll step up i'll go into goal and, and i'll do it 
and she let 18 goals in. Uh, to be fair, she was awarded player of the match for sheer perseverance, but I think Mr. I know I need to stop, stop talking and I have some kind of PTSD because every time anybody mentions Beth and goalkeeping in the same sentence, we, we have a minor panic. But she smashed it. She wasn't massively challenged, but she smashed it. And so, yeah, she's she's feeling a little bit sorry for herself with her back injury, but not so sorry that she couldn't eat both her own donuts and then make designs on, on Jamie. So I think, she's, I think she's doing okay. I mean, my great excitement of the week as a 39-year-old, I've booked my fucking covid vaccine i'm so excited i i mean possibly partly because after a year and a bit of of you know on and off lockdown it, it feels to me like like genuinely a proper social event i was i i actually found myself thinking how tragic is this i found myself thinking what shall i wear it's a fucking vaccine nobody cares but i i still i may wear heels i haven't worn heels for the last 15 months i'll probably deck it on my way to to getting the vaccine but yeah i've booked that that's next saturday so next saturday's podcast will be recorded live post vaccine how exciting i just i god i feel so honored and humbled and privileged to live in a country where not only barely 12 months into the pandemic do we have vaccines available to everybody but they're free of charge i mean fucking hell it's it's oh my goodness people in in countries i'm sure across the world who don't have the the access to free healthcare that we have i mean no the nhs is not perfect and 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 how could it be with with the amount of funding that's been stripped out of it from successive governments but my god it is a wonder it really is and yeah i will i will probably be 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 very emotional when i go and and get my vaccine particularly if they stick it in really hard and it really fucking hurts but you know who cares who cares i'm getting a vaccine i'm so so excited so that's that's my big excitement of the week i mean god love jamie so as as the rest of the world gets gets really excited at the thought there might be an end to this pandemic in inside i mean i feel like jamie's going to need some kind of trauma therapy because he's loved lockdown so much i said to him on when whenever i booked it thursday night i said to him oh, i've put my covid vaccine jamie isn't it fantastic and he looked at me like a look of disbelief and went, why have you done that? And I said, well, you know, that's how we're all going to get out of the pandemic. Isn't it wonderful? We're all going to get vaccinated and, and then the pandemic will end. And he looked at me very seriously. He said, mum, one day all of this will be over and you're only going to have yourself to blame. And I genuinely think he means it. I genuinely think he's loved lockdown so much as the rest of us. I'm like, oh, we're going to see other people and we're going to leave the house and wear something other than elasticated waistbands from the waist down. He's like, why? Why would you bother? So, yeah, if, if you know, this this Indian variant, and I'm sure, you know, the scientists are, are on it now, but, but everybody else is kind of watching and waiting with bated breath as to, you know, please let it not take us backwards. I mean, there's, there's possibly one person in the whole world who's going, but if it meant a little bit more lockdown, it'd be worth it. And that person is Jamie. I'm very, very, yes, I, I, I don't even pretend to, to understand him. But yeah, so that's been, that's been the big excitement uh, towards the end of this week, booking my COVID vaccine. Other big excitement of this week has been the letter that came from Beth's school. It is time for Beth to have sex ed. And I just want to say right now, I feel desperately sorry for the person who is stuck with trying to teach Beth sex ed. And sex ed's a funny one, right? It's, I remember certainly when Jamie was in primary school, the, the, the sex ed lessons in year five and six were like a big, a big thing. And I, I always think schools do amazingly with this because... My observation is that there are two fairly extreme schools of thought from parents when it comes to sex ed. There's the, there's the, oh my goodness, my babies, how could you possibly teach them anything like this? This is outrageous. And I think the schools are, are really good at, and, and to be fair, that was, that was an over-exaggerated persona there. I think there's lots of parents who just 
feel very awkward talking to their children about sex, might feel very awkward talking about sex full stop. And I think the schools do an amazing job in terms of, you know, sort of saying to those parents, well, come in and see the videos we're going to show and we'll talk you through the curriculum. So that's that's the one school of thought. And then you have the other school of school of thought, which is basically parents like me. And and I don't think one one thought, school of thought is, is better or worse than the other. They're just very different. And we've just always had a view of just being very upfront with the kids. And uh, I remember as a kid having the talk with my mum and being so mortified that I just wondered whether it was possible to die from sheer mortification. So we, we always set out that we would never have the talk with our kids and kind of would just answer questions as, as they came up, really. And it, and it seems to have worked mostly, mostly all right. I think I'm partly, partly, as well as the talk when I was younger, I'm partly influenced by finding and I'm sure I'm not the only child who did this uh, formative years finding the joy of sex book on my mum and dad's bookshelf which if anything is going to put you off having sex it probably is the illustrations in the original joy of sex book they are remarkable 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 things and I genuinely remember for quite some years because that they're very 70s in style the originals is, is the best way i can describe it genuinely thinking that you weren't allowed to have sex until you have a beard so you know the joy of sex may have been great for awakening people's sexual desires across the world but also you know there's there's some beard discrimination going on there it makes it unclear as to whether or not a beard is a requirement for for sex but yeah we've we've always kind of answered the kids questions as and when they've come up and actually most of the time, you don't need to give them War and Peace. There's a fairly straightforward, simple question you can answer it. Jamie has always been a kid who's asked a a lot of questions, as demonstrated at Beth's football this morning when he spent half the match asking me if I was going to have a fight with an animal, what was the largest animal I would feel comfortable I could win that fight with? I mean, I'm, I'm not very good at fighting. I was like, is it an earthworm? Maybe he was like, oh, come on, mum, I could at least have a chicken. Anyway, I digress. Jamie, chicken fighting. So, no, he he asked us loads of questions when, when he was younger, and we answered, just answered them all honestly and, and with the with the level of information that he needed. This did slightly come to backfire when he was in about, I don't know, year two maybe, something like that, probably end of key stage two, end of key stage one, start of key stage two. And, and a friend of mine came round and she was laughing and she said, so she said, um, Jamie's been educating the the other kids in the year about about sex ed and I was like oh dear god what has he said what has he said oh dear god what has he said so she said no no it's absolutely fine nothing because we've we've also always emphasized with the kids that while we will talk about anything and everything and ask all their questions some children's parents are not comfortable with them knowing that level of information so therefore it's it's best to just just play it down so Jamie had you know he he had played it down to a certain extent but he it, it was a time in in Jamie's school career where they were probably seven, his class, and it was just like one constant episode of first dates. Everybody was dating everybody. At one point, he had like six girlfriends. I said, six? He says, that's nothing. He said, my mate's got eight. So everybody was kind of dating everybody else, which was very strange. And so my friend came around. She said, yeah, so, so Jamie's told her son's name that if he, when he grows up, he, he really needs to think about what religion he wants to be. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realise Jamie was one for handing out religious advice, but fair enough. She said, yeah, she said, he's advised that my son should become a Mormon because that's a religion where you get to have the most wives. Good. Excellent. Marvellous. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's always been one for, I, I mean, I, I kind of don't even want to know what other advice he's been, he's been giving out in the playground. So, some things are best for parents not to know, right? 
we we did although i've always had this this started being being up front with the kids we definitely had some moments in the early years with both of them when i was it was one of those oh fucking hell moments so so jamie when he was very little very little so he was just learning to to talk is it just me who once your kids are past past a certain age you can't remember what age children do things at all so he was learning to talk so what's that one and a half two maybe two and a half i i have whatever age kids learn learn to talk and and he was starting to do like a a little bit of, of of counting so he actually learnt to count using condoms. That is a terrible thing to admit, isn't it? This is like worst parent of the year award right here. Um, not intentionally, that was not how I tried to teach him to count, but I came upstairs one day and I had just gone to get the washing and uh, he was upstairs. We had a loft conversion at the time. He was upstairs in the loft and we were just getting ready for, for sort of bed and bath. And, and I came upstairs and he'd been, been up in the loft and he'd gone into the, the bedside table drawer by Mr. I Know I Need to Stop Talking's bed and had happened upon and had found a load of lovely, shiny, square, magical, beautiful, precious things. So he had taken out the precious things and he had put them in a little circle sort of around him and he and he was going around pointing at the precious things one two he could only count to two so he it was kind of like a series of counting to two using condoms really which is which is the class every parent hopes that their child will ex- excel in and of course then you don't want to make a big deal out of it do you you don't want to kind of go oh my goodness darling what do you think so i said oh where did you get those and he indicated that he'd got them from from daddy's drawer and i was like well they're daddy's things let's put them back now and then he suggested that maybe he should take them to nursery and i very nicely explained that there was no fucking chance in hell he was going to take them to nursery and made sure undercover the condoms were removed from the bedtime drawer never for him to to see them again beth also had a had a good had a good condom moment when she was younger similarly bedside drawer or oh, bedside drawers should come with locks shouldn't they they really should she had gone into mr i know i need to stop talking to bed t- bedside drawer and had pulled out more more of the precious things and these ones are in a red packet and and she looked at me and she looked quite outraged and i said are you right she said yeah she said, why is daddy keeping the ketchup in his bedside drawer? Because she'd mistaken them for those tomato sauce sachets that you get in restaurants. So proud. So t- proud. Hashtag blessed. That was that was definitely that that moment. I think one of my my most... Do I share this? This is quite mortifying. No, no I'll, I'll, I will share, <laughs> share this moment. Because I was going to say I'm sure everybody's had a moment like this, but but no, maybe, maybe it is just me. One of the one of the definite characteristics of of toddlers is their ninja stealth way to wake up from sleeps naps in the middle of the day and materialise just when you don't want them to, and and so it was when Beth was was very little and Jamie was at a friend's I think and Beth I put Beth down for for her nap and you know parents of two young children you've got to take your chances where you can get them right so. I so it was that 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 the things were happening and at at critical moments I turned my head to one side <laughs> and there is nothing that it's never mentioned in the joy of sex once what one should do if at the moment of climax one turns one's head to be confronted by a toddler dressed as a bear yeah that's that's one for the one one for the memoirs yeah that was a that was a, a startling startling moment i think possibly my my best my best parenting moment ever was on the the school run and and i did take this in and feature it in one of my books where 
I was, so I really can't park my car at all, despite the fact that I've now been driving for 16 years. I, I can't park it. I'm really, really horrendously bad. And everybody who's ever worked with me knows just how bad I am, not least my, my, my last but one job. I managed to crash my car into the side of my own office while trying to trying to park it. That was a that was a high point. Um, but I'm terrible at parking and outside the kids' school when they're both at primary school together, as as is, is on all, all school runs, right, parking's a nightmare. But I'd managed to find a space one morning and it was too small to go into frontway. So I was I was confronting my, my greatest fear, which is parallel parking, honestly, like sharks and razor blades have nothing on, on parallel parking. And I just commenced the, the, the process of parallel parking when Beth in the back seat pipes up, Mummy how are babies made? And I have rarely felt like I had achieved more in life than that morning when not only did I parallel park my car without crashing into a single other vehicle, which yay, well done me, I also explained the rudiments of how babies are made. And yeah, it was, it, I think I peaked at that point. I think it's been all been downhill from, from, from one then. The disadvantage of, of being very open with the kids is, is by the time they get to sex ed. I mean, I, I always had a view that I wanted to make sure my kids knew. I didn't, I didn't want my kids to find out stuff from the classroom for the first time. And, and that's not to say that's the right way of doing it. That, that was just for, for me and Mr. I know I need to stop talking. That's always been the approach that we've taken. So we've, we've, <clears throat> we've covered lots of stuff and, and we've answered, as I say, along the way, all of the questions that, that the kids have had, which is me, meant by the time, by the time Jamie went into year six. So year five, sex ed isn't really sex ed. It's basically periods and puberty. And then set, year six is, is actually, you know, kind of sex. So, so Jamie was pretty savvy by the time he went into year six. And one of the great things that the schools do is they enable the kids to ask questions anonymously. They can write it on a piece of paper and they can put it into, into like a pot. So I said to Jamie, I said, oh, have you got any questions that you're going to ask your teacher in sex ed today? And, and he looked at me with, with the tiniest glimmer of a smile on his face. So that he's very good at being deadpan when, when he needs to. And he said, yeah, I've got a question that I'm going to ask. And I said, oh, what, what are you going to ask? Because I'm happy to answer, answer it here, here and now for you. And he said, totally deadpan, he said, I think I might ask my teacher if she's ever had a threesome. Mic drop. I got chatting to um, to another mum the other day who, who teaches teaches year six and we got onto the subject of sex ed. I said, you must get some questions. She said, oh, oh, yes, we do. She said, I, I literally go through them going, um, no, not answering that, not answering that. You're far too young to know about that. Ask, ask your parents on that one. So yeah, I've, teachers, you you are amazing. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you do it. Needless to say, I did not allow Jamie to to ask that question, and I think he was doing it as a bit of a wind up. But fucking hell, honestly, teachers, you 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 are amazing. Beth's appalled about the idea of having to have sex ed. Full stop. She's a bit kind of like hands in ears. La 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 la. Um. So so as I said, I pity the pity the teacher's got to teach her. Jamie pipes up the other night when we were chatting about sex ed and the fact that Beth's going to have it. Jamie pipes up. Oh, do you remember, Mum, that time you chatted to us about masturbation in a restaurant? I was like, whoa, what? What? Was that me? Was that me? Are you sure that was me? It's like, yeah, we were on holiday and I had visions of the last time we'd been on holiday and we went to this really, really, really nice restaurant and I was like, oh my God, was I chatting in there about masturbation? He went, no, no, it was the other one. And then I had that moment because I couldn't remember the conversation and you know when you immediately jump to worst case scenario and I was like, my God, did I do like a Meg Ryan in some restaurant with the children? I mean, that's very inappropriate, but but thankfully, thankfully I didn't. But no no recollection of that, but apparently I, yeah, informed my children about masturbation in a, in a restaurant. Again, Parent of the Year Award coming, coming, coming right up, coming right up. 
Other updates of the week, obviously... Jamie had been tasked, hadn't he, with with needing to ask his teacher something, and it had been a long and torturous and painful journey. But success! Ah, he'd finally remembered to ask his teacher what he needed to ask, and his teacher said to him, "Jamie, you need to go to room R fourteen." Now, has Jamie been to R fourteen yet? No, no, Jamie has not. This is the latest long and torturous journey in the trying to get the answer that we need. So he's now got it written on both hands. He's had like two showers since he came back from school yesterday. And, and still, I was like, Jamie, what's that on your hand? He's like, oh, yeah, so reminder to go to, to room R14. I said, did it remind you to go room to room R14? He went, no. So next week's next week's excitement, along with my COVID vaccine, is will Jamie make it to room R14? It's it's the new new room 101. I mean, it's it's just painful. Teenage boys, honestly, it's another world. If you haven't seen my post on Facebook, the other news this week is that is that Robert Peston was a dick. I mean, what new news, right? What new news? But he was writing on Twitter to his, you know, million and a bit followers. So just a small scale audience there that during lockdown, teachers didn't do very much teaching at all. And, I, and I'm not a teacher. I've never been a teacher and I never will be a teacher because lockdown, if it proved anything to me, so I'd be fucking terrible as a teacher. I do know people who are teachers and I do see how fucking hard every single one of them worked, as, as do loads of professions. Right? I always get this when I write stuff about teachers. Loads of professions have worked their arse off for the last 15, 18 months. But there is only one profession where it seems to be completely publicly acceptable to slag them off and call them lazy. And that's teaching. And I just think it's not OK. It is not OK, Robert Peston. Um, so, yeah, that was a That was a complete dick move on his part. I understand that he has since apologised. Personally, I think that a true apology would involve him going into a classroom now to teach and have that have that first-hand experience. In fact, maybe, maybe he could come to Beth's school and teach Beth sex ed because, my God, if that didn't make him regret his choice of words, I don't think anything would. So, yeah, other than that, I hope everybody's keeping okay. These are still strange and weird and uncertain times. I'm off to go and wring out my clothing and not recreate Andy McDowell's stupid moment. Is it raining? I hadn't noticed. Of course, it's fucking raining. Mad fall. It's drenched. Rain everywhere. But I hope you have lovely weekends. I hope you're getting to do something lovely. I hope that even maybe this week with, with new restrictions lifting, it enables you to see more of the people you love, do more of the things that you love. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. I will see you next week. Take care. Lots of love. Bye. Bye-bye.